Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Good morning and welcome to worship at Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King, and so grateful that you have joined in this virtual service of worship for the Sunday after Christmas. The good news that we have proclaimed for this Advent and Christmas season ends with a second chapter of Luke that starts when the time came. Indeed, the time has come for us to move from the narrative of birthing to the narrative of redemption. The story of Jesus' ritual cleansing as a child contains stories of people who had been waiting for this moment. But the time for waiting is over for us, too. Like Isaiah, who says, For Zion's sake, I won't stay silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I won't sit still. We will not stop using our songs of resistance until justice shines out like a light for all. for the glimpses we have caught throughout this season of Advent and Christmas, of your gifts of hope, love, joy, and peace. 
even in the midst of fear, of challenge, of struggle, even when we have not been sure of tomorrow, you have ignited the light within us and we have glowed with its brilliance from the inside out. us continue to proclaim far and wide that the time has come for light to be among all people. Amen. You are invited to light all of your Advent candles at this time. Good morning. My name is Randall Miller and I'm a member of the Epworth Congregation. This morning's scriptures are from Isaiah 61 and 62 and from Luke chapter 2. As a confession, I want to mention that it is proven almost impossible to make the language of these scriptures fully inclusive in terms of the gendered names used for the Holy One. But I urge you also to notice the rich interplay between the masculine and feminine feminine imagery in both of these texts. Hear then these comforting words from the prophet Isaiah. I will greatly rejoice in the Holy One. My whole being shall exalt in my God. For God has clothed me with the garments of salvation and covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Holy One will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of God will give to you. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Holy One and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Mary had a little baby born in Bethlehem. Every time that little baby cried, she rocked in a weary land. Ain't that rocking all night? Ain't that rocking all night? Ain't that rocking all night?
listen carefully to the gospel story about Jesus' very first visit to the temple in Jerusalem. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested upon him. It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen God's Messiah. So guided by the, the Holy Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was required by the law, Simeon took Jesus into his arms and praised God, saying, O God, now lettest thou servant depart in peace, according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of their child, Jesus. And Simeon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against by many. Yea, a sword shall pierce thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may yet be revealed. And there was also in that place Anna, a prophetess of the Lord, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asser. She was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. Anna never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came, and she began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed all the things according to the law of the Lord, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. May God bless the reading, the hearing, and the understanding of God's word. Amen.
please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord. One of the things I most enjoy when I'm using my laptop is what happens when there's been no activity for a little bit. The computer goes into screensaver mode and whatever I have on my screen before that disappears and 26 of my favorite photos that I have selected, have gl they glide slowly across the screen. They are mostly pictures of members of my family, my best friends, and of course of myself. During this 2020 uh, period, this season, one picture that has grabbed my attention each time as it glides by is of me between Christmas and New Year's at the end of 1973. Now this is a full body shot and it's from the side, and it shows me just a few days before I was about to give birth to my twins when I was carrying 16 pounds of baby. What I start thinking about when I see this picture are the memories of the state of my mind during this time. I felt that I was existing in what is sometimes referred to as liminal time a time of waiting, a time of not knowing. Liminal time is characterized by ambivalence. It's a place of transition when one is waiting, not knowing. On one hand, at that time, I felt giddy anticipation of meeting these two little souls. What would they look like? How big would they be? Would they have hair? What will we name them? Were they girls or boys? This was before ultrasound was widely used, and so there was no gender reveal party. While having these delicious thoughts on the one hand, on the other hand, I was cranky and scared. Would these babies be healthy? Did I have what it took to do all the work that had to be done in the coming days, weeks, months, and years? And of course, I was physically miserable, unable to sleep, sit down, stand up, or do anything. The reason why I resonate to these, these memories at this time is that I feel that we are all in a kind of liminal time right now. Two days ago, we welcomed the entrance of the light of the Christ child in our world once again. Now, we are existing in that liminal period between our celebration of this great miracle and the new year to come. We come off a high and we are waiting for the next chapter to begin. And we know that we have much work to do if we agree with the words of Howard Thurman, 20th century theologian who said, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky will come and be gone on epiphany, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. In the gospel lesson this morning from the book of Luke, we hear about two older people, Simeon and Anna, and they're really elated because they have lived long enough to witness the birth of the Savior, Christ the King. 
But from our vantage point 2,020 years later, we all know the work that baby Jesus will have to do as an adult. How should we think about our world in this liminal time? I gave up making New Year's resolutions a long time ago as a bad bet. But after a lot of soul searching over the past nine months, I decided to make some spiritual New Year's resolutions to help me prepare for and to take into the new year. In our lives as Christians and as the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, we must work in community. And I like to think of this as the beloved community that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. referred to. It may be our church or a social service agency or organizations with which we volunteer. But the point is that when we do the work of Christmas, we must come together in community to deal with the lost, the broken, the hungry, and imprisoned to bring about peace in our world. However, as true as it is that we must work in community, each of us is an individual with different points of view and varied backgrounds. Working together is sometimes difficult. But one thing that I have recognized over almost eight decades is the better I understand myself and appreciate my own individuality, the better I become at recognizing and valuing the uniqueness of others, and I'm better able to work productively in community. And so I decided uh, that this year I would do some highly personalized making of spiritual resolutions in preparation for the work in community to come. Let me share my three areas of thought with you in the event that they might be helpful for you. Spiritual New Year's resolution number one, nourish your relationship with the divine. In using the term nourish, I am suggesting that as you do do those things that feed your soul, you keep in mind that you are indeed having a one-to-one relationship with the divine, however you conceptualize and perceive the divine in your heart. There are so many ways that we commune with the divine, through nature, music, art, raising children, caring for sick loved ones, volunteering, the list is probably endless. What I am thinking of here is that we so often get caught up in the five senses of our material world that we forget the divine aspect of what we're doing. This nourishing that I'm talking about is not so much doing anything differently, but rather it has to do with increasing awareness a sharpening of focus, if you will, on the divine aspect of your life, and actually also on the divine in yourself. So I am suggesting that you nourish your relationship with the divine in your everyday life. Spiritual New Year's resolution number two, nourish your relationship with yourself. What I mean by this is that you allow yourself to love yourself, be compassionate with yourself, modify your expectations if need be, and then forgive yourself when you fall short. 
So often we are our most harsh and demanding critics. In informal parlance, lighten up and give yourself a break. Nourish your relationship with yourself. Spiritual New Year's resolution number three. Nourish your relationship with everybody else. Notice that I very pointedly said everybody else, not just your family, friends, church community, not even just your country, but everybody. Okay, I may sound a bit delusional here suggesting that we include everyone in nourishing of relationships. Well, here's where I'm coming from. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, 34, one of the things Jesus said when he hung on the cross really uh, uh, comes to me very strongly and has a lot to do with how I lead my life. Picture it for the moment. Jesus is hanging up there, looking down on those who have humiliated him and subjected him to what may be one of the most excruciating forms of execution. And what did he say? What he said was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Think about it. Perhaps I need to clarify a bit the connection I make between Jesus' command to forgive your enemies which is what I see him saying here. My interpretation of what Jesus is saying is not that you like your enemies. I don't think he is implying that we let anyone get away with bad deeds. What he is saying, I believe, is that we recognize that everyone is a child of God, just like each one of us. I recall an example that was Jesus-like that happened over 30 years ago in my first church. We were taking prayer requests before a church council meeting. One woman spoke up and said that a young man had snatched her purse and that she was following up by taking him to court. Then she asked that we pray for his soul. That action seems to exemplify what Jesus meant. And that is why I suggest that we nourish our relationship with everyone. It may be obvious that I didn't just pull these resolutions out of the air. They come from something that Jesus said as recorded in the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 37 to 46, or to 40. In this chapter, we hear that Jesus had been going about teaching and preaching, and he got really annoying to some of the religious leaders who were trying to bait him and trip him up. One of them asked him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus's response is recorded in Matthew. What he said was this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In these four sentences, Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments and gave us the framework 
for preparing in this liminal time for the work we have to do in community. Clearly, we have a lot of work to do. In our own community and around the world, so many are experiencing hunger, homelessness, illness, loss of loved ones, loneliness, and despair. Some of us are consumed with fear and hatred, and we seem compelled to go on physical and psychological attack. I am thinking particularly here about some of those who are unhappy about the outcome of the presidential election. As we transition to a new administration, we will be challenged to address every aspect of the human condition. Of course, no one community can focus on all of these problems, but I believe it is our work to earnestly do all we can to counter the ills of our society. I see our end game as eventually ushering in a global, peaceful, beloved community. So in conclusion, just let me say, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Now, let's get to work. Amen. written in 1962 by Noel Regany and Gloria Shane at the height of the Cuban Missile Crisis. Inspired by seeing babies pushed in strollers in New York City while the dire threat of nuclear war loomed, Noel wrote, said the night wind to the little lamb, and pray for peace, people everywhere. The star dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite can be interpreted as the star of Bethlehem, but also what a nuclear missile looks like in flight. The composers said in an interview later that it was difficult to actually sing the song that year without crying. Indeed, our prayers for peace continue and the need to protect the children of the world and secure a future for them 
are as dire as ever. As the last song in our series, let us sing this carol of resistance as a song high above the trees with our voices big as the sea. podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. from this place, we wait for justice, but we do not wait to work for change. We wait for restored health, but we do not wait to work to heal. We wait for wholeness, but we do not wait to work at binding brokenness. We wait for peace, but we do not wait to work to eliminate hatred. And so, my friends, like bells ringing out the news that we believe that good will prevail, Fill the night left by sadness with light. Go into your lives humming the tunes that keep the goodness alive in you and that spur you on in your work of justice and reconciliation. Raise your voices and repeat after me. Christ is born. God is with us. Christ is born. God is with us. Amen. Thank you.